0: Just Being Honest. The GBH Podcast. Let's rock this. True food, full thought. Today's podcast of the Just Being Honest Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Liquid IV. Liquid IV's cellular transport technology, or better known as CTT, uses a specific ratio of sodium, glucose, and potassium to deliver water and other key nutrients directly to your bloodstream, hydrating you faster and more efficiently than water alone. The specific ratio of electrolytes used in CTT creates an osmotic force that allows water to be absorbed in the upper digestive tract. typically fluids pass through the entire digestive system, losing water and vital nutrients along the way before being absorbed into the bloodstream. So guys, with every purchase made, a serving of liquid IV is donated to someone in need. LIV is currently sold in over 20,000 locations nationwide. So try liquid IV now and get 20% off by using code JBH20 at checkout. Let's start changing the world, folks. Again, that code for 20% off is JBH20. On this episode number 61 of the Just Being Honest podcast, our guest shares with us that the secret to longevity lies in our wellness threshold and that to live a healthy life, we need to get to know ourselves first. Today's guest, owner and founder, Colin Hudon, developed living tea through his lifelong immersion in tea and Tao. As an herbalist, acupuncturist, and practitioner of traditional Chinese medicine, he discovered through the tea ceremony a means of sharing the extraordinary depth of these Oriental traditions in the West. In Taoist herbalism, tea is considered a quote-unquote shen or spirit tonic through its ability to calm the mind, open the heart, remove energetic stagnation, and connect us with nature. However, the Western world has learned of tea as a beverage. I want to change that guys. Grown from small bushes on plantations rather than large old growth trees in wild forests containing such powerful properties. It's true. It's true. You're going to hear it here. With a strong wish to learn more about formal tea ceremony, the traditions from which the tea ceremony emerged, Colin traveled to Asia in 2010 in search of tea. After many months of travel, he discovered a living tradition in Global Tea Hut and the tea master in Taiwan, Wuda. Following the cultivation and craft of Cha Tao, he sought to offer tea to others as a form of moving meditation and living art. Thousands of tea ceremonies later, Living Tea continues to share this way, these old growth trees, and this ancient tradition with you. Hi guys, this is your host, Katie, and this is the Just Being Honest podcast. I am so excited to have our next guest on the show today. Guys, this is your health and lifestyle, Coach Katie. And uh, as you all know, I am a teaholic. So it was only natural that when I stumbled upon our next guest, I had to have him on the show. I heard him on other people's podcasts, and I was like, who is this master? So guys, we have a special treat for you today. Get your Pinky fingers tipped up, get your tea cups out, turn on the kettles, because we are talking today to the leader, the the, the tea brewmaster of living tea, Mr. Colin Hudon. Colin, welcome to the JBH podcast. Thank you. And guys, I want to kind of tell you before we start, Colin and I are, he's in Colorado. I'm in California. He's got a new puppy that's that's going berserk. Who knows why? Uh, it's a puppy. And so we may have some audio technical difficulties. So just please bear with us. We are going to get you the content that you desire. But without further ado, we've got Mr. Living T himself on Colin, let's just dive into this. Me being a teaaholic here, um, I want to know how the heck did you get into this? Um, you, you're not from a tea family, um, as I'm sure of. You know, you weren't just born into this. So, what was your upbringing like? Um, nutritionally. Uh, physically, you know, were you an athlete? Were you traveling, exploring? Tell us a little bit about that and then we'll jump into Living Tea.
1: Okay, cool. Um, well, first of all, thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm really happy to be having this conversation with you. Thank you. Uh, and I'm not sure where exactly to begin, except that um, if I sort of tease out of those questions what I think you're asking. Um, how did I get interested in old growth, rare tea, ceremonial teas, and this whole um, tea culture that's been established for thousands of years in Asia, having grown up in Denver, Colorado? Is that part of the question?
0: Yes. So start with Denver.
1: Mm. So <clears throat> I grew up in Denver. Um you know, I have a brother who is a uh, Western doctor, so I practice traditional Chinese medicine. So there's lots of talk of medicine around our home. Wow. Um,
0: the great debate.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the great debate, right? Um, but it's uh, less less debate and more an opportunity for learning from a different approach to health and medicine and, and wellness. Um, but so I, I did not grow up in a tea family. I grew up in a coffee first thing in the morning sandwich, as most Westerners do, mm-hmm. um, and when I was, I went to an all-boys Jesuit high school, and the Jesuits are known for being very worldly teachers, uh, despite being, you know, Catholic or Christian, um, so I was introduced to a lot of Eastern philosophy and religious thought, you know, Buddhist, Hindu, um Jainist, Sufi, all these different uh, very rich Eastern traditions at high school um, from a Jesuit priest, ironically. And uh, so I did a minor in college in um, Asian Religious Studies and came to discover, there's a saying which is Ichayue, which means uh, Zen and tea, one flavor.
0: Can you say that again?
1: Ichayue, which is... Uh, Zen and Tea, One Flavor, wow. um, which is to say that, you know, there's a saying, you can't understand Zen Buddhism without tea, and you can't understand tea without Zen Buddhism, at least the Japanese aspect, what we call it yu or the way of tea in Japan. Um, so I was introduced to some of those ideas in university, and then uh, throughout my 20s, I was exploring different uh, avenues, or different aspects of Eastern thought, and then, ultimately decided if I wanted to learn more about tea, I would have to go travel to to these old grilled forests, um, which I did when I was uh, in my late 20s. And the rest is kind of history. That was about 12 years ago. So. Wow.
0: Um, so yeah. moving beyond that, because I mean, obviously that was a prime opportunity for you to go travel and learn more. Um, you weren't hard pressed to get a corporate job or were you, you know, because you, you, I mean, you graveled, uh, graduated from a great university, but your, <laughs> your studies were, you know, in something that was a, a little bit more rare than, um, the common mainstream major. So did you have any pressure from your family, um, your parents saying like, well, you know, maybe you shouldn't go and just learn about tea in the tea fields or or was it a little bit different from that
1: um you know that's kind of a complex question to answer in that it touches on a lot of different things um what i can say is that i had this rule for myself which is that for all of my 20s i didn't have to settle on one career um but that rather it was an exploratory uh, time and I think that that benefited me because I found the things that I really love and really care about and am passionate about and I'm able to now explore those so you know they say or I don't know who they are but people say if you love what you do then it never feels like work and that's certainly the case for me mm-hmm. um, I did I worked for the uh, Consul General of Canada the Canadian Consulate for a number of years in my 20s Which wasn't corporate, but it was, you know, international relations and diplomacy and um, people speaking French and dressed up in coat and tie. And, uh, you know, it it was certainly um, conventional in the sense that we were there every day from nine to six or seven and uh, under neon lights and sitting at a desk and um, working spreadsheets and accounting and property management so you know um i definitely and i also i started a tech company in my 20s as well in los angeles which was startup mode um for a number of years so i've done i have done more conventional uh routes but ultimately um Ultimately, I think it was all preparatory just for getting into to what I'm doing now.
0: Yeah, I completely agree, and I love what you said because I think every single human in their 20s needs to hear that your 20s do need to be an exploratory time for us all because no one tells you how hard it is. You know, people want to be so perfectionistic about what career choice – is this right? Is this wrong? You know, how am I going to make the most money – yada, 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 but in all reality, it is a true finding yourself, you know, type of time in your life, Um, and I love that you did have that experience, you know, under, as you said, the neon lights. Oh my gosh, I can only imagine, Um, but then you got free, and you went over and explored more of these tea fields, correct? Um, Is that when you discovered tea, or kind of now, jump us into that experience when did you discover tea and why did you become so fond of it
1: yeah well so i um like i said i was interested in in eastern thought in particular in uh japanese and zen buddhism and um chan buddhism and martial arts and tai chi and qigong and these different uh kind of practices that you find coming largely out of China and Japan um, throughout my 20s. And then my my interest in tea, you know, I remember when I was like 20 years old, I, for Christmas one year, for my parents and brother and some friends, I went out and collected like 14 different teas and put them in a special box and wrote descriptions of all of them. Um, So I say that because I've been very interested in tea for a long time, but I had no idea how deep a world that was until I kind of... I'd only really scratched the surface until I started traveling extensively in Asia. Um, And then I was introduced to a whole different world of tea, which is a very, very deep rabbit hole. Um, So I would say that kind of my... Studying Chinese medicine, I went to school for six and a half years for acupuncture nerves, and herbs mm. and cupping and all that. Um, when I got serious about Chinese medicine, meaning I formally enrolled in school, um, that's when I started seeking out um, classes or teachers to learn more about pe And all I was, fun- you know, I'd show up to these places in Los Angeles, uh, mostly in. On the east side and it would be like 10 usually Japanese women in their 60s and 70s studying formal Japanese tea ceremony and then this one younger white guy, right? And I, what I was finding is that this what I felt like was the soul of Chinese medicine, or excuse me, of tea, was not really there. Um, it was very formulaic and very formal and that's when I decided to see if I could learn more. So I um, took a little bit of money I had and sold my car and bought a plane ticket, and I traveled all around Asia for six months. Um, and ultimately, when I was on a, I was on an island in the Gulf of Thailand, meeting with a guy um, in sanbao who teaches Qigong qi gong and tea ceremony. And after spending a couple days sitting with him, he handed me a book. And it's a book called The Way of Tea by uh, Aaron Fisher, or he goes by Wuda, uh, who's a teacher and dear friend of mine. He lives in Taiwan. And I was so totally blown away by that book um, that I contacted him. And he said, well, if you ever make your way to Taiwan, come over. And um, so I did that a little bit later, about a month later, and stayed there for a month. And uh, then I, tra- I had the incredible opportunity to travel with him and one of his teachers around parts of China. And then I spent some time in Southwest China in Yunnan, which is the birthplace of all tea. That's where Camellia sinensis tree first grew wild before it was domesticated and moved elsewhere in Asia. Um, so that was kind of a—it was a really big deep dive uh, to spend two months with Wuda and his teacher and be able to travel to some of these areas in China in particular. So, and then I moved back to LA and I opened the tea house and uh, soon after Wuda started coming over a lot and I started traveling back and forth. So so we both travel back and forth multiple times a year. Um, so that's kind of, the short. that's the short version, believe it or not.
0: No, that's amazing. I kind of had similar experiences to you of what you know exploratory adventures do change and shape us um i want to know when do you remember what years you were in thailand off of that little island
1: um that would have been 2009-10
0: okay cool uh, cuz i was over there not shortly after that probably around 2012 um i was in thailand bali area um on self exploratory learning um but I love that um, the thing that I do have in common is I remember I was on an airplane and I was talking to this woman next to me who was from Taiwan and, you know, she had mentioned that to me and she was showing me how to write a little bit Um, and I started talking to her about tea and, you know, the best place to get it and she, she said, the best place to get tea leaves is in Taiwan.
1: Yeah, I mean, of course, that would be contentious to people living other places than Taiwan. <laughs>
0: yeah, um, of course, yeah.
1: But certainly for oolong tea, Taiwan is really considered the, be- the best in the world. Okay, um, yeah. But other types of tea, like poor tea, is only, only processed in Southwest China. Um, and, you know, green teas, I prefer green teas from Japan or from China or. You know, there are different regions, of course, for different types of tea, is is the reality.
0: Yeah, for sure. So so after your explorations and you opened up your tea house in Los Angeles, which is complete culture shock change from just having been over in Asia, um, how was the reaction to the tea house? And what did you bring over into it to show, you know, (laughs) <laughs> the Americans, the United States of America. You know, like, what were you trying to like explain to them? I and mean, were people like taking that in and really like, oh yeah, or were they like, oh, okay, I'm going to go to you know my coffee house again?
1: Um. Yeah. So, what I was doing was quite a bit different um, than what people were accustomed to. In that, um, I brought back this. Huge table. There it was it's called albizia salmon wood or monkey, monkey Pod wood, and it sat 17 people. And it was one of these rough cut, like huge, just huge, beautiful tables. Um, and we started initially. All the tea ceremonies were kind of underground, meaning that I was hosting six nights a week, but you kind of have to know. You kind of had to know about it, meaning oh. people would bring, there was no marketing. It was, it was like a speaking style. Nice. And that was intentional because I really wanted to create an environment of real intimacy and to honor traditional tea ceremony. Um, and for a lot of people coming and in, in sitting with, you know, 15 or 16 strangers or, you know, not knowing a lot of people there, And we always, we drink the first three bowls at least in silence. Um, And sitting in silence and drinking this earthy, unusual tea, this poor tea that most people have never heard of. I call it the best kept secret of Asia. Um, And having this experience was definitely novel for a lot of people but it was something that the reception was, I mean everybody tended to come back very regularly. So that first year was um, it was kind of experimental, you know. It was it was like you're saying. I was trying to get a sense of are people into this? Would they appreciate it, or is it just me? And uh, what I discovered was not only were they into it, but they really appreciated it. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's a lot of descriptions of tea, uh, infinite descriptions. But one of them is the Eastern antidote to Western stress. And mm-hmm. a lot of uh, a lot of people in Los Angeles are so busy all the time. And so for them to come and actually be in an environment where you get to turn your phone off and Mm -hmm. kind of drop in, um, created both really authentic connections with people, but also, um, a much needed respite from the chaos of our lives.
0: Oh, completely. One hundred percent. Um, and I love that the Eastern antidote to Western stress. Um, I can, I can relate to that 100% because when I make, and I'm sure, you know, my morning cup of tea is a little bit different than how you make it, but I know that there is a meditative process within that, you know, the waiting, you know, the heating of the tea, this watching the steam, listening to the bubbles or what have you, the pouring, the waiting of the brewing, that first sip. Uh, me usually burning my tongue because I'm so anxious to get it. <laughs> um, but, you know, it is a completely 100% meditative process, which people don't realize. And there's something that it can, it can do to your soul. There's so much history and cleanliness in like herbal. Can I just say like rejuvenation um, to you that coffee does not do to you? Um, there's a certain stimulation, stimulization, excuse me, that it gives you and power that it gives you that coffee does not. Um, and can you kind of explain that difference?
1: Hmm. I mean, um, one of the things that that Buddha likes to say that I appreciate is he says anything that coffee can do, tea can do better. And <laughs> one that one so. There are a lot of teas, like different types of chauffeur, that taste very, very similar to coffee. There are types of red tea that are really invigorating and uplifting and um, uh, enlivening without being stimulating in the way that coffee is. And part of that is because when we brew coffee, um, we, we isolate the caffeine and it becomes really pronounced. And that's why oftentimes your heart rate speeds up and it affects your adrenals and cortisol release and you get kind of jacked up. And um, it's, I would, it is a stimulant. Coffee is a stimulant. And while tea is a stimulant, in, you know, chemically speaking, it's got other plant alkaloids and um, biochemicals like theanine and um, patechins and polyphenols and other what we call uh, buffers which are other constituents of the plant, that when you brew it, they balance out all the effects of the caffeine. And so if a tea is ever, like, ever makes a person jittery or uncomfortable, that's not from the tea. That's from all the agrochemicals, unfortunately. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, like, none of the teas I carry, any of them, make a person feel jittery or jacked up or, like, um, overly stimulated, you know? And in fact... Especially some of the aged teas, um, they can actually be very common. You know, I drink a lot of those in the evening before going to bed before I sleep better. Okay, so okay. We drink yeah, we drink different teas in different seasons and under different circumstances for different purposes,
0: you know. Okay, yeah. So oh gosh, I wanna know more about this. Um, I wish I had a whole handout that I could just like like plaster in front of everyone right now about teas and seasons. So like for instance, I have a ritual um like a concoction I've made that really does well with me. And I have loose leaf uh I mix jasmine with a little bit of gunpowder um green tea every morning and I brew that. Sure. Um and that's kind of my thing that makes me happy. Um, sometimes I'll have like some loose leaf ginseng in there as well um, yep depending on what I need for that particular time but um, mm-hmm. but I want to know because I'm I'm I get lazy sometimes and I for some reason I like a day-old tea like I'll keep it on like <laughs> I put my tea in a, this big giant pot on the stovetop and I will let it kind of like, what do you, I don't know how to describe it. Let it sit overnight um, after yeah, it's should, been brewed. It overnight, yeah, yeah, steep it overnight and then I'll drink it cold in the morning. Like kind of like a cold brew coffee, but cold brew tea. And is that, is that like, okay?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's certainly no right or wrong in tea, but I think it, I love hearing people's different way of preparing tea because it speaks to the extraordinary variety of approaches and methodology in a relationship. It's really a relationship you're, you're developing with this plan. And I say that because there's so many different ways of preparing tea. And you know, I'm in a formal tradition, or you could say lineage, um, and we're studying specific methodologies of tea ceremony. You know, we a boil tea or side handle tea or bowl, what we call bowl tea or gung fu cha, which is the very small pot. And those different methods of preparing tea are for different types of tea. It's to bring out different qualities. And you know, we've I've taken tea geekdom to a whole other level. Um, Meaning, you know, I prepare charcoal every morning. I heat the water on charcoal. Like it's a whole process, right? Wow. and that's just because I enjoy that. So part of what we're doing, though, with these different methodologies, is really trying to brew the perfect cup of tea, especially with what we call gum cha. And so the type of water I have, I go harvest spring water from a natural spring here in the mountains where I live. Huh. Um, yeah, so, so the type of water, the type of teaware, um, and then the way that we prepare it, the methodology – All of that's being considered, especially for tea ceremony with other people. So I say that because there's no right or wrong way, Um, but it depends on what you're trying to do. If if you enjoy the way that you're preparing it, then that's wonderful. I think you should keep doing that. Um, And if you're trying to brew the perfect cup of gunpowder or sencha or matcha, um, or whatever green tea it is you're drinking, then there's certainly things to consider, like water temperature, how long you steep it. Of course, if you steep it overnight, it's going to bring out some more of the bitterness, but mm-hmm. if you like that, then I think that it's great. You mm-hmm. should keep thinking it that way.
0: Yeah, another thing I like to do, get this, for a little sweetness, because it does have that bitter quality overnight, I add a little um, licorice root in there.
1: Oh, nice. Guns- yes. We call it
0: Oh, yeah. So that's also, that's really nice. So, yeah, no, I'm kind of, I get wacky. I'm like a little mad scientist here. Um, But I love that. So I'm just, like, super intrigued by all this because, you know, there are different teas for different seasons. But you go beyond, Colin, you go beyond just teas. And these aren't just teas, guys. Just, like, coffee's not just, I mean, coffee's just like the bean. But teas are herbs, and they have, like, healing properties to them. Just like, you know, mushrooms are becoming so much more into, like, people's awareness in the culture these days. And so you work with mushrooms and the power of mushrooms and how they work with your your personal self, like Rishi, you know, how that can better your sleep. But then also, Colin, you're going into tinctures because you're, you're traditional Chinese medicine here. Um, and it's fascinating, you know, what I want you to really stress to people here is that these are – the natural, I guess you could say, antibiotics for things that are going on in your life because you're aligning everything within your body um, and just kind of, you know, bringing it all back to central. Um, So are you still practicing TCM?
1: Yeah. So I see patients here um, out of my home. I have a treatment room in my home. And then... I just moved recently about a month and a half ago to Telluride, Colorado, so it's a tiny little town way up in the mountains, I mm-hmm. think we're at 85 feet, um, and part of the reason was also to study uh, with a, a man here who's a very experienced practitioner, and he and I go and see patients uh, uh, in a sm- another town uh, near here at a low-income clinic, or you could say it's a community acupuncture, So. Um, we see multiple people at a time in a big room uh, once a week, and then, and then I see people out of my home. And like you said, I also with Living Tea, um, my company, I carry medicinal mushrooms and make tinctures and have different um, herbal formulas that are for people. So those are available to the public because a lot of those the mushrooms and tinctures are either adapt- adaptogenic and mm-hmm. they also can be taken by people just who read the description and are looking for general immune boosting or, um, you know, endurance sport based uh, like lung tonics or say cordyceps mushrooms for people who are athletes or like you said, reishi or kind of calming the spirit. We, we, we say it's a heart, um, a shen herb. So it's for kind of anxiety, depression, irritability, you know, to, to lift one's mood, um, if it's adaptogenic also and immune boosting. So, so I relate to tea, the types of teas that I carry, which are not the same as kind of commercial tea. Um, I relate to those as medicinal herbs, absolutely. But also I carry these tinctures and essential oils and mushrooms and I work with all of those with patients, but I also, if they've got specific health concerns going on, I will, um, write them specific formulas of, of herbs.
0: Oh, I love it.
1: I think that I think that answered your question. Oh, completely.
0: Completely. And I hope everyone kind of like absorbs that and relates to that and knows that there's other ways, you know, than, you know, just just popping a pill that really is just not working. And I'm going to be honest yeah. with that.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, we most people go to a Western doctor and we've been – Condition to think this is how how health works. You only go to the doctor when you're sick, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're not sick, you don't go to the doctor. But I I have something that I call a healing threshold or a, a health a wellness threshold, which is if your lifestyle is organized around a consistently incorporating these health um, giving substances like you were saying, medicinal mushrooms, tinctures, tea, instead of coffee, say, or alcohol, and your diet's really clean, and you're moving, and your sleep hygiene's uh, dialed in, and um, in general, you're living a wellness-oriented lifestyle, I think you enter into above a threshold where the likelihood of you being susceptible to getting sick is very, very, very low. Mm. Um, But, you know, I haven't gotten sick in, I, I don't think, over five years probably, and I don't say that out of, like, pride or something. I say that because it's testament to, if you incorporate these things into your life, I think you're a lot less susceptible to illness, basically.
0: I love it. You're creating that equilibrium, that balance. Um, you know, you said you just moved, so that's possibly one of those factors. Also, your environment, um, the people that you're surrounding yourself with and the, the stress levels of that. I mean, because stress can be huge on your immunities, um, you can't just drink a couple of t- teas cup of tea to make, you know, some of those things go away, but it can certainly help right. It, right. you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. so I want, cause I know you're, you're diving into, you have so many projects on your hand. What are some, um, ways that you are spreading the power of tea even further than just selling it and doing some of these tea ceremonies local?
1: Yeah, well, um, so I'm, I'm locally hosting three to four times a week out of my home and, Um, tea ceremonies for about 10 people and I'm also looking at commercial spaces locally here in Telluride to open an actual tea house and Chinese medicine practice here Mm. Uh, um, and then I have this seasonal tea club where I curate some amazing teas for every season and I write a long not long you know it's probably 7 or 8 pages but a whole write up about things to consider in that season from a from a Taoist and Chinese medicine perspective, so the kind of foods to incorporate in your diet and what organs are being affected by those foods, uh, types of herbs, types of movement, and what's going on with climactic and atmospheric changes that are affecting your health. So, you know, in the fall we become much drier, we call it yin deficiency. So Eating foods and herbs that nourish body fluids and nourish the blood and support the lungs, and so for every season, I do this write-up about the different factors that are part of being healthy and being seasonally minded or seasonally aware, and then those and then teas that are appropriate to the season and how to prepare them, and uh, so that's one thing that's nice because people, it's hard for them necessarily to understand what it means to drink teas or eat seasonally and that kind of thing. So I kind of take the guesswork out. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's the seasonal tea club, you could say. Um, and then I'm, I'm traveling uh, to Taiwan in May. Ooh. And I'll be back again in August and September. And there's some big shifts that are really exciting happening for Living Tea. that' um, I'm, I'm not technically talking about publicly too much at the moment. But... Um, there's some really exciting changes and some growth happening that, oh. uh, that I'm very excited about. And you know, I'm doing. There's some strategic partnerships with some people, old friends of mine, some Los Angeles um, that that people will be hearing about soon because it's kind of there. There will be there'll be a lot more exposure for Living Tea over the next couple months, and I can't say a whole lot more than that. But Don't worry. That. <laughs>
0: I'm excited for you I'm excited I'm so completely excited. I kind of think maybe I could have a little inkling i of knowing uh i think I know maybe some things you might be talking about um just because of the i know who you're friends with with uh here in l a um and how he's done some retreats with you um but i I'm obsessed. Colin, I'm obsessed. Like, I want yeah. to go to Telluride. I want to come to one of your tea ceremonies. I want to just follow you around. I want to go to Taiwan with you. I'm <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited to hear more. And um, I know after this podcast episode, I definitely will be um, chiming in with you and hearing more about these things and how I can be involved. Um, because it, as silly as it sounds, like it's a huge passion of mine and it's also a big way of my lifestyle you know i structure my day around my cup of tea and you know i think in all reality you know um it is healing and it's changed my life and i i hope to Hope to God more people see that it's not just a cup of tea, but it is, you know, a a way of life. It is, um, healing mechanisms. It's the herbs, it's the tinctures, it's the collaboration of it all, body, mind, and soul. So, um, with that, I do, yeah, yeah. what was that?
1: Well, I was going to say, um, I think what you might be referring to is a dear friend of mine, Rich Roll, who's got an amazing podcast, um, Mm -hmm. His guests and the conversations are unbelievable, and thousands and thousands of people's lives have been changed by the by message, and by his book, and by everything that they're doing. So um, I go to Europe with them a couple times a year to do acupuncture and tea ceremony with retreatants. Um, and we're going in May, actually. We'll be in Tuscany for 10 days, which is an amazing retreat. I've, I've gone three times now. Mm. Um, and, um, that is not the thing I was talking about. Okay. But, Stay tuned. Um, there's other, there's other things in the works here. There's other things, other teas steeping at the moment, uh-huh. but, um, but it's certainly a component because, uh, I've been on Rich's podcast a number of times, um, talking about all sorts of things but um um I encourage anybody to check it out but also um the things that are the other things that are happening from LA well now it just sounds like a teaser right so the point is you'll hear more about it 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 is a
0: teaser you're allowed to have you're allowed to have a teaser we want the teaser um but just don't tease us too much okay so um, I'm excited because I want to come to Telluride, so I'm going to plan to, I wanna, I'll drive there if I have to, um, and I do, I know you have so much more on your plate to handle and I want to, um, ask you, hopefully we, down the road, maybe this summer we can get you back on the podcast once those items are revealed and you're back from Taiwan, um, and Tuscany, um, and we can kind of share with the group what you're up to and the new innovations out there and what you've learned along the way. Um, So please say yes. Great. Awesome. Okay, and then before we leave today, I have have one more thing to point out, guys. Colin is being so generous in giving you guys 15% off at livingtea.net by using code all lowercase jbh15 so make sure you get your tinctures your mushrooms your teas um check out the site join the club the seasonal club i know i'm very intrigued in doing that so um check that out that's jbh15 and colin colin we have one more question for you and then you are free to go play with your puppy so are you are you ready for this i am all right colin What's your honest truth that has led you on a path to success in maintaining a healthy lifestyle?
1: Can you say it one more time?
0: What is your honest truth that has led you on a path in maintaining a healthy lifestyle?
1: Hmm.
0: can be anything.
1: Okay, here's what I'm going to say. That's a great question. I think it could be answered on so many different levels. We could probably talk for another five hours just about that question. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm going to answer in two parts. The first is authenticity. And what I mean by that is, you know, when I work with patients for Chinese medicine or talk to people, when I ask more difficult questions, I often find that... um, we are not educated to develop a really deep relationship with ourselves. In fact, we are educated, especially now with technology and all the distractions and all the constant stimulation, to develop a relatively superficial relationship with our interior life. And I think in order to live a really healthy lifestyle, to live a really healthy life, we have to get to know ourselves because of the relationship between the mind and the emotions and the body and the spirit. And in order for those to be in balance and to continue to grow and develop harmoniously, it requires our developing a deep understanding of who we are and what our needs are. And how to, I mean, you know, we understand how to take care of ourselves at a superficial level. Right. But what helped to me, which comes from the same root word, um, the Latin word, it's the same root as wholeness, and with the W. And so, healing or wholeness or health, those are all one and the same. And I think in order to, to live a healthy life, we have to come from a place of wholeness, and that requires really knowing ourselves. And so, you know, I really feel like at the root of health for me, and the 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 truth of it for me, starts really with meditation because it's what's allowed me to be in touch with my interior life and know what I need um, and to make decisions and choose a path that's in alignment with my values. But I think to get really clear on my values required a, a decent amount of meditation to begin with. So. Um, Again, I think we could talk about this for a while, but that's my basic answer to your question. (laughs)
0: Maybe that will be our next podcast, but I love that. I think that was – today, that was the perfect answer and exactly what I needed. I pulled my card yesterday. Um, I I do these inner compass cards, and yesterday my card was authenticity. Um, And it was definitely a soul-searching, like, emotional day. And I think everyone needs to become a little bit more authentic. And it's not about becoming, but it's just – more about being. Um, So Colin, I cannot thank you enough. I am so excited to visit you in Colorado. I am excited to hear more about what you're developing, you know, what you're unfolding for all of us. I cannot wait. So um, thank you again. I am so honored and grateful that you were on the show today and for just, you know... Making a new friend that loves tea. <laughs> yeah,
1: totally. all right. I am. Um, I'm going to leave you with one last thought. Which oh is a yes. Quote from, uh, from Muda, who's a, uh, again a dear friend and teacher, who founded Global Tea Hut, which is a cool organization. Definitely worth checking out. Um, but he says, the more we put into something, the more we get out of it. And so, tea drinking, uh, meaning like a tea bag and a mug while you're talking on the phone. Tea drinking is not all that life transformative. Tea ceremony is, and mm. I say that because whatever we, whatever we choose how we choose to do something is what we get out of it. And so maybe the next time, even if you are drinking tea out of a mug with a tea bag, just to take a moment and be present to that experience, um, that simple shift, that might not be a tea, cent, tea ceremony, but that simple shift of taking those five or 10 minutes or 15 minutes in a day just to be present to one thing, um, I think can bring a dimension of depth uh, to one's life that oftentimes we're missing.
0: So. Oh my gosh, I love it. I love everything you just said. Thank you, Wuda. Thank you, Wuda. Yeah. Wuda the Buddha. He's kind of like a Buddha. Was- um Wow. Wow. What a great time. Um, Colin, again, I am so grateful for you. And I I just want everyone else to be tea lovers. So here's my, my two cents, guys. Grab a cup, grab a mug, and let's do this together. Um, guys, I cannot thank you enough for supporting the JBH podcast. We are on Spotify, Simplecast FM, iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe, send it to your friends, your family, and let's be well together. Until next time, it's been an honor. This is your host, KB. Kiss, kiss, hug, hug, peace, love, ciao! Colin Hudon of Living Tea. Wow! Seriously, I'm blown away. I am blown away. I think that the greatest takeaway from this talk was Colin's statement that Eastern practices, such as the art of tea, is the antidote to Western stresses. Oh, and one of my favorites is when he said, Anything coffee can do, tea can do better. Word. Word. And if I could plant anything within your head and your heart, it would be that ever so powerful statement of, The more we put into it, the more we get out of it. Yes. Yes. Be present in that moment right there, my friends. I hope that you all got a lot of value out of this episode today. And thank you so much for hanging out with me. And if you did, please make sure to share this out with your friends and your family on social media. And you can tag me at just be an honest KB. Remember, the being without a G, so it's B-E-I-N, Just Being Honest KB. I'm so grateful for your support, and I always love to see what you share out with your friends and family. And please, make sure to head over to iTunes to subscribe to the Just Be Being Honest podcast. Guys, it's free! And leave us a rating to let everyone know that this show is fabulous. You have the power to help us bring to you even better content and guests each and every week. And as always, I appreciate you so much. Until next time, thanks for joining in.